Today's episode is brought to you by Pond5. Pond5, that's a small body of water and the number five, is an online marketplace for stock video, images, audio, and more, which can be instantly downloaded for legal use by filmmakers, podcasters, musicians, designers, YouTubers, and other media makers. Stock media opens up an entirely new world of creative options and allows you to produce content better, cheaper, and faster. And did you know you can sell your media on Pond5? Tens of thousands of artists around the world sell on the site, and they're making a living by doing what they love, making media. So what place better to sell to and to buy from than Pond5? And through January 1st, you can use the promo code WRITERS for 15% off all your purchases. That's Pond5, small body water, number 5, with the promo code WRITERS with a capital W for 15% off all your purchases. Thanks to Pond5 for sponsoring this podcast. Now entering Nerdist.com. It's the Nerdist Writers Panel, and it's hosted by Ben Blecker, where he gets a bunch of writers, and he asks them lots of questions, and it's starting now, so this will be the end of the theme. We were just sitting here struggling for things to talk about. Um, We did some (laughs) rewriting on your show. Perfect. Great. Good, good news, bad news. Okay. Um, there's going to be a lot more dinosaurs. Yeah. Oh. And they're going to be <laughs> okay. pretty religious. Yeah. Oh, okay. Some of them are wearing yarmulkes. Yeah. Some That's... of them are creationists. So it's like... I understand. Yeah, dinosaurs, of course, would be creationists right. because they're still alive. And right. so, exactly. Obviously. They don't and they're like, what came before us? Nothing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> they're all ego. They're, yeah. Mm-hmm. Dinosaurs. Are they big or are they regular person size? They're person size. Okay. I mean, they're on the larger size of things. Sure. Maybe okay. Like Whale-sized. And you work you work for Netflix too, right? You're on I a do. show. We're uh, on uh, Puss in Boots. And how has how has Netflix been? For you, you never guys? hear from them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. They're so easy. Like, are we rolling. All right, this is how we start. How has okay. Netflix been for you guys? Oh, should, oh, okay. we on, oh, should we put on our cans? Should we put our cans on if you want. I'm not going to. I love oh, wearing okay. cans. <laughs> um, wait, I, I, I have more questions about Puss in Boots. All right, we can do that. Um, I so I, I would <laughs> I would imagine. Um, with with a show like Puss in Boots, this is I can't do it with the headphones on. <laughs> I'm too conscious of my own talking. Yeah, um, you, it becomes NPR as soon yeah. as you put I them love it. I love the sound of our voices. Yeah, in my ears. How am I sound? How am I sounding? Very like chocolatey and ooh, good, <laughs> totally natural. Oh, wonderful! Hello, hello. Um, I would imagine with a show like Puss in Boots that you'd get more stuff from DreamWorks than from Netflix yeah. that they would be very protective. Yes. I would guess the Marvel shows are probably the same way. I would assume so. Um, the, um, I mean, they, Netflix ordered 15 shows or something from DreamWorks wow. to roll out over Whoa. five or six years. So we're one of the first uh-huh. three. So there's Turbo. I just Turbo had a feeling like, wait, songs. we're not the only Netflix show? <laughs> <laughs> I feel that way sometimes, too. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, wait, but we're the oh, best we're one, right? But we're the one... Yeah, you're the only animated show for adults. For adults, oh. as yeah, we're as far as we're I know, well, must put some boots is for adults. It certainly is not. Okay, <laughs> all right. We're, we are not for all ages. That's no, for sure. we're not. No, no. no I, um, some people let their children watch, and they're like, eh, it's, yeah. Uh. I I get I got a message from uh, my middle school science teacher. Uh, one of the fun things about doing a show is you get people from all your entire life like contact you and be like, "Hey, really remember funny. me? I'm proud of you." Which is like great. <laughs> some of them are great. Some of them are crawling out of the woodwork. Right. <laughs> yeah, so like, I have a job. Yeah. And it's like, uh, 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 yeah. As long as it's all, "Hey, remember me." That's great. Yeah, yeah. That's ideal. And so my my middle school science teacher, Mr. Lynch. Hmm. Uh, do you remember Mr. Lynch? Do you remember Mr. Lynch? No. Yeah, Lisa and I went to middle school together. That's a fun oh, fact good about Lord. us. Yes. Yeah. We need to. We'll get, get into, into this. We'll get into it. My middle school science teacher, Mr. Lynch, uh, emailed me uh, and said, hey, 
uh, now I have kids of my own that are in middle school and we're watching the show together. I was like, that would be so... I wouldn't want to do that with my dad when I was in middle school. No. Yeah. But I guess Although middle he, school seems okay to start watching BoJack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think not with your parents. Certainly not. But it, well, maybe with Mr. Lynch, though, he can explain all the sex jokes, though, because he's a sex ed teacher. <laughs> oh, yeah. So he can be like, oh, see what happens when a horse and a cat um, want to reproduce. <laughs> the sperm go, goes up the fallopian tubes. Having your father, the sex ed teacher, explain yeah. to you <laughs> the, the science behind uh, a horse. When man. a horse loves a cat. Yeah. Right. They can have either a kitten or a foal baby. Yeah, exactly. Neither gene is dominant. Yes, dominant or recessive genes. Yeah. Is this a conversation you guys have to have? We have all sorts of conversations about the logic of our world. Oh, yeah. All the time. And yet, don't come to many conclusions that make it logical. Well, we but... kind of play it by ear. We kind of go one, yeah. you know, one gag. If someone has a funny joke, you know, we talk like, does this fit? Right. With the way our world works, we kind of usually make room for it. I feel like we set up a lot of rules and then we kind of end up breaking a yeah. bunch of them for the sake of humor. And... Like we... um. You know, we had a thing in the, in the first season. Uh, we kind of talked about, like, let's not have, like, fish characters walking around. <laughs> yeah. Because they would breathe the water. They wouldn't, right? Right? They wouldn't exist walking around. But then we had a whale. Yeah. Then we had an eel, because it was funny to have an electric eel for a scene. Yeah. And for this season, we're kind of like, yeah, there's fish. That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> walking around. It's like, like, once you have, like, if you put, like, a, like a little helmet over them and, like, filled with water, then it it's like... It just raises a lot of questions, and yeah. it's hard to draw. <laughs> Yeah. I'm sorry. That's what raises a lot of questions on the show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let's you guys understand this is uh, a weird show, right? Like I you, guess you get so. that, right? It didn't really occur to me until people were like, What? Yeah. I never <laughs> thought of it as that weird. Because well, um, I've always drawn animal people. It's and that's there's a long, long history of drawing yeah. anthropomorphic animals. Like, is, is Disney's Robin Hood a weird movie? Yes. Yeah. Oh, it is? is it? Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. I mean, in I fact, really... I saw it recently. Oh, yeah? Pretty it weird. Is. It's movie is kind of sexy. Kind of is. <laughs> it really is. But when I tell people I saw that recently, that is the first thing they say. Everyone had a crush on sexy. that box, right? That's One bizarre. or the other. Yeah. yeah. If not Robin Hood, then Maid Marian. Yeah. Oh, God. They're both I, so hot. I think maybe... I think... Is there a record of furries before Disney's Robin Hood? Because I think it might have been people who went through puberty around the time Disney's Robin Hood came out. And then, like, they came up with a name for it. There must have been, because, like, R. Crumb made, like, sexy comics about animals, too. Incidentally, you just wrote your own fanfic. Yeah. (laughs) You just wrote your own BoJack Horseman fanfic. BoJack Horseman meets... Maid Marian. Exactly. Oh, God. You're welcome for that episode, you guys. (laughs) Oh, we actually, for, um... For Charlotte the deer, yeah, we looked at Maid Marian as a did you really? as an example. I looked a little bit at Bambi too. Yeah, Bambi's a sexy. <laughs> it's a weird deer. thing when we're like now. Nah, now it's weird when when Lisa's designing characters and we look at her like she needs to be a little sexier. Like, I, I mean, I want them to be attractive. <laughs> yeah, like sexy is sure. the wrong word. We say cuter usually. I kind of like, like want furries to be into it. Yeah, well, that's mission accomplished. <laughs> they are, except they're not into the characters we thought they'd be into as much. Like they what all like Mr. Peanut Butter. Oh, Mr. Peanut Butter is by far by the most pornoed character. Well, we got to talk about this sure. because he's a breakout character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he's great. <laughs> he's but charming. Like, he's very charming and fun. He's and nice. Tompkins. But I thought the female characters would be drawn in fan art more. I'm actually this... really proud. Yeah. That we're one of like the few animated shows where our male characters are more sexualized than our female characters. I feel yeah. like that's because we did something right, you yeah. know? Like This is a real big move for feminism. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It, it really is. And like, I don't know why people aren't talking about us and putting us on the cover I know. of their why magazine. Why aren't more magazine. people tumbling exactly. about it? We should be. Uh, one or the other, certainly. <laughs> Although, um, 
I don't know if Cat Fancy is the most progressive of magazines. It's, yeah, they, they're a little conservative. A lot, a lot, of, a lot of cheesecake spreads. <laughs> um, I don't know. There are articles about Iraq. Yeah, I don't read. I don't, I don't read it for the articles. Oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, all right, now I'm starting to understand where the show came from. Uh, I can talk about where the show came from. Let's do that. I'm sure you've done this to death, um, but and. Lisa, I don't know if you've been dragged into uh, many of these interviews. So I like try to, to drag that. her whenever I can. Right, oh, my good. God. I'm so delighted to be dragged. <laughs> <laughs> so I would like to hear about the uh, so initial the, stages of yeah, this. Yeah, so the, the genesis of the idea came from, from two places. You can see me kind of ramping into my, my mm-hmm. interview bit here. <laughs> we'll get it over with, okay, and then we'll and go then, back to riffing. And then we'll just riff, yeah. Um, but it really came from, from two places at the same time. And... Uh, I feel like we should explain what the show is for your audience who might not this be familiar. This audience knows. Do, do they? Okay. Oh, absolutely. All right. I, I never know who knows. It's um, about a horse. Yeah. It's a, so, the, yeah, the main the premise of the show is it's about, so a, it's like it's a, about a horse. It's like Black Beauty. It's basically Black Beauty. Um, if Black Beauty had human hands and feet. Yeah. It's about it's about an anthropomorphic horse, humanoid horse, who uh, used to be the star of a sitcom in the 90s called Horse and Around about a horse who raises three human kids. Um and now he's this this washed up actor, and he lives up in the Hollywood Hills, and he complains about everything, um, and he's trying to write his memoir, and that's ba- basically the story. And then, I, I, for me, what's interesting about it, or what was what was a big part of the pitch, was the, uh, there's a big tonal shift that happens during the show, so that it, it starts very light and fun and cartoony, and then gradually gets darker. Um, and spoilers. Yeah. <laughs> and then by by the end of the season, uh, it's it's actually more of a, a dramedy, like a like a Girls or a Louis, mm-hmm. uh, but set in this crazy cartoon universe, um, which is a kind of a combination of things that I've seen kind of pieces of in other places, but felt really fresh to me. This idea of like really taking these characters seriously mm-hmm. and telling this longer serialized story that doesn't reset after every episode, mm-hmm. um, and that where the actions have consequences and the characters grow and change and the the, the relationships shift over the course of the season. Um, and you can really kind of get into the the you know the the mushy gushy of of why these characters do the things they do, but also it's in a it's in a bright colorful universe with talking animals and people right. falling out of cars and 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 total silliness at the same time. And I think the the juxtaposition of those two tones is what really makes the show special and fun to work on and hopefully fun to watch. It's Aww. it's also what makes it a really hard sell. I mean, yeah, trying to tell an animated show well, in which there's continuity right. first of all. Well, mm-hmm. what's 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 funny about that and I you know, I really didn't think about the selling of the show to general audiences. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I obviously thought about how I'm going to pitch this to Netflix. Right. And that's what I mean really. But but what's interesting about it is it's it's a, I think it's a hard show to sell to audiences because most shows don't change mm-hmm. intentionally. You know, most yeah. shows, I think, they grow and they, you know, the writers find what works and, and you know, the audiences kind of adjust and, and things kind of settle. But this show, from the beginning, the pitch was the last episode is not going to feel like the first episode. Mm. Yeah. And part of the, the fun of the show is discovering that and enjoying that. And so, you know, I think... Uh, I was kind of surprised because I didn't think ahead. And I, if I did, I would not have been surprised by the reaction of people watching the first couple episodes and being like, oh, I get this, and then, like, turning it mm-hmm. off. Yeah. And I wanted to be like, no, you don't. Like, that's what's fun about it yeah. is, like, you think you get it, but you don't. And we actually uh, intentionally set up a lot of stuff that was kind of predictable just so we could subvert it. Yeah. Um, not thinking that people would see that stuff, think that they predicted it, and then not watch the rest of it. <laughs> Yeah, but, I, that's that's a dangerous. It uh, is dangerous, but I, but I think um, as more and more people are watching it and discovering it, the the reaction has been really yeah. positive, and people are telling each other like, no, 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 keep watching. Yeah, a lot of people have been going back then and giving it another yeah. chance. Who yeah. gave up on it, in the which first is really place. fun. Yeah, and people are watching it for a second time and seeing like, oh, mm-hmm. there was all this darkness from the beginning that I didn't even notice because I wasn't 
you know, cued into it. Yeah. Was was Netflix always the only place for it? Um, it was the main place. I mean, I, 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 I guess we developed the idea uh, for three years with Tornante, uh, the company. Oh, wow. And um, so when, we first, when I first pitched the idea to Tornante, Netflix wasn't even a thing, really. I mean, yeah. it was, you know, mailing DVDs and red envelopes. <laughs> um, and so we, we kind of developed it for a while, not knowing what the home would be. Um, and then... You know, I think someone, Noel, one of the executive producers, had the idea to pitch to Netflix. Hmm. So I think he met one executive at a party. <laughs> Blair seems nice. Let's pitch to him. Um, oh, Blair is nice. He is nice, right? Yeah. <laughs> so we, Worth pitching to. Exactly. Yeah. So we, we kind of had an in there. Um, and then I really catered the pitch to Netflix. Like, mm-hmm. I thought about what makes a good Netflix show. Um, you know, what do they do that, that nobody else is doing? Um, and at that point, what was on? Um, so they had... They had uh, they'd done Arrested Development already. Okay. They had uh, House of Cards. They had Orange is the New Black. Um, they, you know, mo- most of their shows that are, they're still kind of known for now had already okay. premiered. Uh, um, and this is all surprising to Lisa. She didn't know there were other shows. <laughs> yeah, on yeah I know, I know. I'm sorry <laughs> oh, to be the one to break this. Netflix does have other shows. Um, and this, you know, that's, uh, that's kind of how I feel when I have friends who like mention their other friend Raphael. Because it's like a rare enough name, and I'm like, I'm your friend Raphael. Oh God! Like yeah. you shouldn't have another. Like, oh yeah, my other friend Raphael. Like you have another friend in Raphael. Yeah. Like, no, I want. Like, oh yeah, you guys should meet. You get along. Like, no, we wouldn't. I do not want to meet any other Raphaels. I'm not interested. I am Raphael. Right. Now, if you were if it was on Hulu, you'd be the only show on Hulu. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If we were anywhere, we'd be the. If we were on NBC, we'd be the only show on NBC. As far as yes, I'm concerned. that's true. Yeah. Um, uh, but what's I, funny anyway, is I, so so that pitch was tailored to yeah. them. Uh, they weren't even what, really looking for an animated. They show, weren't. Were I mean, they? that's yeah. the thing about Netflix is they were. I think Netflix is really looking for creators who have strong visions, and so they they were not on the lookout for an adult animated show. I mean, they obviously have these these kids shows that they're working on. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I came in and I had the pitch, and I pitched out the entire first season. I pitched out here's episode one, here's episode two, here's episode three, like all wow. the way to twelve. Um, How long was that pitch? It was about an hour, I think. No um, yeah, and I know, assume you had art. I mean, you guys. Yeah, so we actually together. we had so this is part of the three years of Tornante. I had written two scripts already, uh, and we from the first from those two scripts we put together a ten minute presentation, fully oh, animated, cool. uh, with most of our cast attached. Wow. Um, so we kind of went in because you know they don't do pilots at Netflix. We went in and be like, this is what the show looks like. This That's is right. the world of the show. You know, I talked about what I wanted to do with it, the tone of it, the characters, where it came from. Um, and I, I pitched out the season, and I think I think more than anything, they were just really impressed by me and thought, "Yeah, that seems like a guy who knows what he's doing," <laughs> like you know. And then then they had to, honestly had to do some te- testing and like research to see like is would this show be good for us? And they like you know they looked at, at um, you know because they have they have Archer and Bob's Burgers, mm-hmm. and I think they have Family Guy too. And then mm-hmm. you know they looked at their animated shows and they saw who was watching it, and they you know they felt like yeah, this would be a, a good addition um, to our collection. Hmm. And, uh, and yeah, then, it does make sense in that world. I, yeah. I always forget about Archer, but yeah, yeah I mean, that's, that's and that's the thing about Netflix. A good cousin show is it's you think of Netflix as like oh, it's House of Cards, it's Arrested Development, it's Orange Black, but it's actually everything. Yeah. yeah, you know, and that's what's that's true. I think really cool about them is they're not trying to be HBO; they're right. trying to be everything. Mm-hmm. You know, right. so they have this, and new, they kind of can be, and they can be exactly like there are people who are going to want, you know, they have, they're working on Grace and Frankie right now, which is, mm-hmm. you know, Lily Tomlin and Jane Fonda, and the people are going to get Netflix just to watch that show. Yeah. And you don't have to worry about, is this con- is the humor consistent with Orange is the New Black? Right. You know, I think what they're looking for is, yeah, strong creators who have strong voices who want to tell interesting stories, yeah. even if it doesn't, you know, necessarily mesh up with the rest of their shows, mm-hmm. because I think they're they're very happy 
uh, servicing different niches, not just the same niche over and over again, which is a re- really interesting tack for a network to take. Yeah, that's uh, really and their cool. kids shows too, obviously. Yeah. Like they're they're trying they're really trying to be everything. They can. Yeah. Do they're this succeeding stuff. for the most part. Seriously. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, let's let's step back for a sure. second and talk about um, the creation process. Yeah. Um, I'm specifically curious about some of the character design. Like, you guys have known each other for a long time. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, did this start out as doodles in junior high? Like, how did this? Yeah. Well, how did, yeah. Start to, how did the characters start to take shape for each of you? Um. Well, we didn't start sketching these characters no. until until we you came up with a show, show. idea. Mm-hmm. But uh, you've been drawing animal people for years. Like yeah. part, part of the part, part so I'll say part of the idea behind the show was me thinking like, what can I do with Lisa? Yeah. Because really? I've you know I've been a fan of her work forever, and we've worked together. We did a web comic for a while. Yeah, for two years we had a comic called Tip Me Over, Pour Me Out, and it was Raphael would write it uh, every week, and then I would illustrate it. It was a real embarrassing journal comic. <laughs> yeah, it was very I'm, diarystic, I'm, and it was hard, good though. It was uh, it's, it was a little too true, I think. I'm, now, <laughs> I would not be so vulnerable, although I feel like I was as vulnerable with BoJack Horseman. I just called it yeah. BoJack Horseman and, yeah. you know, shared things. You just learned to hide it better. Multiple different characters. So you yeah. can trace it all back to I me. feel the same way about my early work. Yeah. And also the drawings were really rough. But See, I think the drawings were great, but the writing was really rough. It, it all got better as we went along. I think we learned a lot working on it. And yeah. also, yeah, I think we developed sort of a shorthand for talking mm-hmm. to each other about what we want. So now when Raphael describes a character he wants, I feel like I get it really fast. Yeah, and we developed than... a real trust, too, where yeah. I kind of knew, like, okay, I can kind of give these things to Lisa. I don't have to, like, micromanage mm-hmm. her. I can, you know, she'll, she'll bring her own thing to it. Yeah. Um, um, I, I have a pretty good sense of what will make Raphael laugh, too, so I try to do that sometimes. And, and vice versa. You know, like, yeah. like Lisa for a year has been bugging me, like, how come there are no bees on the show? <laughs> yeah, I think, I think so, bees are really so funny. So season two, we have, well, we have an episode that has a lot of bees in it. <laughs> Thank you. Um, or, like, you know, one of the nice things about working on the show is we work, you know, very close to each other. So when um, we can be breaking an episode, we can call Lisa in and be like, hey, uh, we have three ideas. Which would you like to draw? Uh, Quentin Tarantuna, <laughs> Quentin Tarantucan, or Quentin Tarantulino. And she goes, uh, well, we haven't really had that many bug characters, so let's do Tarantulino. Yeah. Uh, and we did, and it was great. That, yes. was, that was a difficult one. It was very fun to draw, though. Um, to try to design a tarantula that looks a little bit like... Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you did it. You'd think it would be easy. Yeah. I pulled up pictures of both of them, and I kept looking back and forth, like, oh, what do these things have in common? Right. Actually, a lot. <laughs> Frighteningly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but so, yeah, so the original part of the idea was, how can I work with Lisa on something? Mm-hmm. And she had been drawing these animal people just kind of on her own and posting them on her blog and drawing like little comics about animal people. Um, so I don't know if you want to talk a little bit about why you did that. Yeah, what, what's up? I don't up? know. I just started doing it, and it um, immediately just felt good and looked right. Um, I mean, I've drawn, I've been drawing animal people since I could draw, basically. Like, uh-huh. I used to draw myself as a cat person. Actually, as Weird Al Yankovic, but with a cat head, because I thought that what was, like... What makes it Weird Al? Well, he, he was wearing, like, the Hawaiian shirt, right? And the clothes of Weird Al Yankovic. Right. And he was playing, like, instruments and singing parody songs. And uh, I just thought that was the coolest thing I could be, was a cat, but also Weird Al. You're those not my, wrong. Those are my favorite things when I was in, like, the first grade. Do you, um, do you think it was really scary for Weird Al? <laughs> when he lost the glasses and the mustache, like I don't know, and the was, and he, the like permy hair, hair. Yeah. Like, he was so branded for so long, and then I think it was running with scissors. He was like, I look like this now, yeah, and everyone was like, all right, but yeah. I bet he was like really scared. 
But now he's kind of really sticking to his current look for a long time. Yeah. Maybe for too long. Yeah, but. I think Weird Al seems like the kind of guy who figures out what works and sticks with that. Yeah. Welcome back to the Weird Cast. I respect yeah. him. <laughs> yeah. I love him. Oh, my God, yes. Make no mistake. Everybody loves Weird Al. Yeah. I, 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 don't, I don't live in a world where I think people don't like Weird Al. Yeah. I just kind of assume I won't that, accept that. Yes, everyone loves Weird Al. I grew up on it. Have yeah. you gotten him for the show? You should do it. We should What's do wrong it. With oh, you? my God. I would like he to. He could be Cat U. He could be Cat U. Uh, full circle. <laughs> and then you can die. Even even working on this show is weird enough for me that I like grew up completely obsessed with horses. Like I was a total horse girl, and now I yes, draw. That was really the beginning of it. <laughs> draw right. a show about a horse, and now I've just recently got back into horseback riding. It's like my whole life has come mm-hmm. full circle. Yeah. This is actually it's kind of a weird question, but like, is this a show about a horse? Is this a show about a guy? Like, how do you guys see? It's mostly these about a person. Yeah, I. I... It's mostly he's just a guy who happens to be a horse. Um, <laughs> but, like, when I look at animals, I think about what their thoughts and feelings are right. a lot the way I would about a person, maybe even more so. Like, I just really like thinking about animals a lot. So, for me, there's not a big distinction. Yeah, I mean, some, sometimes some of the animals are more animalistic than others. Oh, yeah, there's a bear who doesn't who even talk. and growls. <laughs> um, or, like, Mr. Peanut Butter is probably the most, mm-hmm. more dog-like than Bojack is horse-like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or, you know. Do you guys have to, like hold back on the dog jokes with him because no. I feel like it's just endless. <laughs> we, no, we enjoy it. Yeah, it's the best. But it's also, I mean, it's, you know, I, I really, I do think of it as a, as a kind of a, a grounded show about people. Yeah. But then you also have this added layer of mm-hmm. whenever things get too dark, you can just add a silly animal joke on yeah. top of it. And mm-hmm. It's kind of like a, it's a fun go-to at any given time. You can kind of, you know, like, yes, they're having a very serious conversation, and then this bird is going to fly into a window. Yeah. You know? Like, <laughs> there's, there's a low-level absurdity through the yes. whole thing because yeah. of what they are. Yeah. Yeah. Which, which is uh, definitely in- intentional. And I, yeah. um, this is an, an, uh, another thing I, I talk about a lot. But I, I remember a couple years back, I saw an interview with Shane Black. Um, and he was talking about how he sets all his movies during Christmas, right? <laughs> like uh, you know, Lethal Weapon, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, mm-hmm. Iron Man 3 even, which is a big yeah. summer movie. It was all set during <laughs> Christmas. Oh, yeah. And he says the reason he does that is because uh, if you have Christmas in the air, even if your stories aren't about Christmas, but if there's like lights and snow and Santa Claus, everything feels more fun and you know, festive and you can get away with more fucked up shit because like, you have like people's fingers getting chopped off and people getting shot and it doesn't feel like dark and gritty it mm-hmm. feels like fun and, and, and <laughs> it feels like a fun rock and then there's Christmas something time. to that juxtaposition exactly yeah. And, yeah and that's interesting too and that like to add this fucked up stuff to this Christmas yeah. stuff and so that was kind of my model for the show was the idea of if you keep if you have this like wacky crazy cartoon universe you can go darker and more introspective uh, hmm. Without feeling indulgent or maudlin, at least was the theory, yeah. was that yeah the, the farther you go in one direction, the farther you can go in the other direction. And we really tried to kind of keep, you know, I, I describe the show as having two feet. You have, you have one foot in this really grounded character-based world and one foot in this wacky cartoon world. Mm-hmm. And then, unlike feet, the farther you go in one <laughs> direction, the farther you can go in the other direction. That's actually a bad metaphor. It's <laughs> not how feet work. Feet need to stay close together, otherwise the body, human body, will fall apart. Um, <laughs> Well, but that that's kind of a question I have about shows mm-hmm. that do straddle these kinds yeah. of things. Like, did you guys in the development process talk about where that line is and, like, how far can we push things in any direction? N- no. I mean, my, my goal was always push things in every direction, yeah. I think. I, I'm, you know, I... Uh... 
I I wanted it to feel weird, and mm-hmm. I wanted it to feel not like other things. I mean, that's that's what's what's funny about it is you know you you, you said before like are we aware this show is really weird, and we've gotten we've gotten reactions from people being like the show is too weird. Yeah. We've gotten reactions from people being like I've seen the show a hundred times before. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. this is like the most boring predictable show. Like really? <laughs> like all right. Like I don't know. You know. Yeah. Um. And so I yeah I I. I you know, obviously, we have a lot of influences that we kind of combine, and, and I would hope in, in different combinations mm-hmm. enough to make it feel interesting and, and different. Um, but I, you know, I, I'm just kind of always kind of thinking like, what what would I want to see? And yeah. um, we kind of take it from there. Well, that's that's the best stuff, right? Yeah. Is I like the things. So. I mean, for me, I mean, that, but I think not I everyone say. thinks that. You know, yeah. like I really love a Louis. I love a Girls, mm-hmm. uh, a Mad Men, where it feels like, oh, this is like one person's vision. And they're like pushing that vision, and that even when I don't like it, I still like it. You yeah. know, like that's 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 really yeah. interesting to me. But I think other people are like, no, I want like a well-crafted story that has like you know like hits these beats mm-hmm. and like is like clean and you know. And I I respect that. comfort in exactly. That. I get that. Yeah, but I, you know, I'm not even talking about like a like oh like you know CBS procedural way. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, like there's some like uh, you know like the hero's journey and like kind of the more traditional huh. storytelling like that still I think you know I, I understand the importance of that. <laughs> But I also, I would much rather see somebody, like, try to figure out how to make a TV show. You know? Like, that's more interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Of, like, oh, this is someone who, like, doesn't follow all the rules. Mm-hmm. Not because they know the rules and they're subverting them, but actually because they don't know the rules. Yeah. And they're, like, they're grappling with what does narrative mean for them. Um, yeah. There's something, there's always something interesting about the scenes showing a little bit. Yeah, I think yeah. so, too. You know, I, I, and so that's something on this show. We, we did try to keep it a little messy and, like, not, you know... Yeah, I want to have like a two-page monologue here, and like, well, you don't do that. Well, I want to, yeah. <laughs> so we're gonna, you know. Yeah. And I'm not gonna worry too much about does everything drop to a standstill. I'm gonna, you know, kind of push this through and try to do it as best we can. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's kind of my 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 dumb middle school rebel attitude, <laughs> kind of just like you can't do that. Oh yeah, I'll show you. <laughs> like every time like, I hear a rule, I'm like, I, I'll bet I could do it. You yeah. know, like, like oh, you can't. You can't tell stories like this. Well, maybe no one else has, but like yeah. I'll bet I could, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. And sometimes I'm right, and sometimes I'm wrong. Well, um, there's something to the Netflix model that's forgiving about that. Yeah. Because you're getting 10 or 12 or yeah. 15 at a time. So this two-page monologue mm-hmm. is in the middle of, you know, Absolutely. eight hours of television. Yeah. You know, and I, I've seen people critique, um, not so much our show, but other shows on Netflix, of like, oh, you know, if I... If, this, if we watched the show, like, week to week, it wouldn't hold up. Mm-hmm. And it's because we watched it in this model that it works. It's like, well, yeah, well, that's the model. Right. That's yeah. why it worked. Like, yeah, it's, you're not supposed to watch it week they to week. They knew what they were creating Yeah, like, for. that's that's exactly the point. Yeah. Like, you're, this is a new way of doing things. Yeah. And you can choose to watch it week to week if you'd like to. And I would argue that it probably would hold up in that yeah. way. Mm-hmm. Um, but you don't have to. And that's what's so cool about it. And, you know, we really leaned into that. And this idea, you know, for me, the the biggest... What's really appealing about the model, uh, less so even that you can watch it all quickly, is that everyone watches it in order. You know, mm-hmm. and I didn't even realize that would be yeah, as important as when we actually were working on it. And this idea of like, oh, in episode six, you don't have to reintroduce all the characters. Like, you yeah. can assume that everybody knows what the relationships are and why they work, and you don't have to like, you don't have to spoon feed anybody. You know, no one's going to watch episode nine unless they've watched episodes one through eight. Like, there's no reason. Right. You know. But they can also go back and watch any episode at leisure if right. they want to. Mm-hmm. Right, right, they can. But but uh, you don't have to worry about that. Yeah. You, know, you don't have to make every episode like welcoming to a new audience. Right. And so we really use that, and we 
you know, we use that to tell longer stories and this idea of like, oh, you can set up a joke in episode three that then pays off in episode nine, yeah. you know, or, or start a story here that pays off, you know, four episodes later. You don't have to worry. People are like, what's that? Who's that? Mm-hmm. Um, and yet that stuff that you guys do, I mean, BoJack is still so much more accessible than like Arrested Development, which felt very hard to penetrate. Sure. You know, I, for, I, for a new audience. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's, it's. I think Mitch was was also trying to play with the form mm-hmm. um, in a, in an interesting way, and I'm 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 a big defender of season four of Arrested Development. Mm-hmm. I, I think you know I, I think it, it is it is really interesting and and structurally audacious uh, in a way oh, that absolutely. I think people maybe weren't expecting or weren't ready for. You yeah. know, and I, and I think it would have been uh, a very easy. I mean, maybe not given the constraints of the who was available when, but I, I, you know, I think to kind of do a victory lap and kind of do the same thing mm-hmm. again. And I, I think it's really cool that he was really he really grappled with the what is what can you do on Netflix and yeah. what's what's different about it. Um, and I think I, I definitely learned a lot of lessons from watching that about what I thought worked and didn't work, which mm-hmm. I which I took. Um, but I know he's also definitely interested in that too, of like telling these longer form stories yeah. and 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 thinking of it as a whole rather than just in the parts. And I think for me, what I really wanted to do was was both. Was you know I you know I'm a, I'm a big fan of House of Cards I'm a big fan of Boardwalk Empire mm-hmm. these shows that do kind of feel like one long thing but I I it was really important to me that also we felt like every episode had its own story mm-hmm. and every episode felt like an episode mm-hmm. and didn't just feel like a part of a greater whole mm-hmm. you know that you can go back and like oh yeah that's the rock opera episode you know that's the um, that's Princess Carolyn's episode that's, yeah. you know that, that that we did have these little contained stories that were all part of a bigger piece mm-hmm. what were some of the influences for you guys. Storytelling wise, artistically, as a whole, on, on this show. What are your influences, Lisa? I don't know. I have so many influences that it's hard to to pull just one. We have all day. Oh God! <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I can talk about you know, like I grew up watching Ren and Stimpy and mm-hmm. The Simpsons, and those were like my favorite cartoons. So I'm sure that I'm strongly influenced by both of them. Um, Makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for, the end. <laughs> it, kind of, uh, it kind of became a joke in the room of like whenever someone wanted to get like a pitch to be well received, they'd say like, "So this feels like a Mad Men kind of thing." Yeah, because everyone knows how much I love <laughs> Mad Men, yeah. and like that's that. I mean, that's really. I was thinking about Louie and Girls and Mad Men mm-hmm. and like these more serious shows than than the cartoon and shows. Those are all shows where the protagonist is sort of an asshole. Yeah, like where unlikable. It's, you kind of go back and forth between whether you like him or not. You know, yeah, so I had a but converse- something keeps you I had a conversation with this about this with uh, Michael Eisner, of all people, who uh-huh. is, you know, the head of Tornante, who produces the show. Um, and he was saying, yeah, so this is, you know, this is, is this one of those characters that kind of, like, comes right up against the line of likability, but doesn't cross that line. Mm-hmm. And I said, no... He does cross that line. Yeah. He crosses back and forth. And that's part of what's interesting about the show is you don't know if you're supposed to like him or not. Mm-hmm. And that you kind of have to make up your own mind. And that some episodes you are going to really feel for him. And other episodes you're going to be like, no, Bojack, come on. Like A lot of the characters are like that. They though. all like, are. Mr. Peanut Butter, too. Like, at first he's kind of an idiot. But then you're like, oh, but maybe he's kind he's, of good for really Diane. Sweet, genuine idiot. <laughs> sweet yeah. and supportive. And then Diane also, like, I always struggle with how I don't, I don't like her sometimes. Yeah. You're not supposed to. Like, yeah. I think that's what's. Mm-hmm. I think also people are not kind of expect. People are like, oh, I get what this show is. Yeah. It's like, no, you know, give it a, give us a little more credit. Um, yeah. Because, you know, I see people complain like, oh yeah, Diane is like this perfect character who can't do wrong. It's like, She's so imperfect. She does a lot wrong, but you're just kind of. I think people are kind of cued into seeing this character type yeah. as this like perfect, you know, woman character who's like the you know the voice of reason all the time. Yeah. And it's like no, she makes a lot of mistakes. Yeah, she doesn't um, know what she wants. And... Right, but she's not punished for them. 
And so I think people kind of assume that that's us condoning her actions. Yeah. Um, but it's like, no, it's just you have to make up your own yeah. mind what you think about her. And these yeah. are complicated characters. Yes. Which is, yeah. it's, I don't know. But, like, to call these complicated characters, I was talking with uh, friends last night uh, who were saying, like, the kinds of characters that you guys have on this show, the only the only uh, comparable ones are on Masters of Sex. Right. Where, like... <laughs> These are complicated people who make bad decisions, and you don't know quite how to feel about them, except you want to like them because they're in your living room. Yeah, I think there's a there is a a, a stigma against animation, um, and I don't I don't want to I don't want to pretend like we're doing something that's never been done before. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of great animation on TV right now. I think uh, I think Archer is fantastic, and I think I think we could not be doing what we're doing if not for Archer. I think they kind of really. Yeah did pave the way in more serialized storytelling and kind of a little bit darker kind of stories. Uh, and I think Rick and Morty is a fantastic uh, show. I love Rick I and Morty. Burgers is so good. Uh, but I, I do think, you know, like 20 years ago, there was this question of like, you know, it's, it's cartoons, but it's not just for kids, right? Like that was like a whole thing. Like can cartoons be for right. grownups? But I think now it's like can cartoons be for grownups who aren't like 20-something dudes, yeah. right? Like yeah. it's, it's because... Of the Simpsons, and I think more so the Seth MacFarlane kind of world has really kind of cemented like this is what animation is now. Mm-hmm. That yeah. even even though yes, it's for adults, it is kind bro-y. of sophomoric and and, and mm-hmm. fratty yeah. And, and yeah, and uh, you know joke based. And I think people don't realize that like um, you know animation is a is a is a format more than a genre. Yeah. You know, and I think like the Pixar movies have done a lot to kind of show like you can tell any kind of story mm-hmm. in animation, and you haven't seen as much of that variety on television. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's interesting to see the genre kind of kicking out at yeah. this point with Archer and you guys, and, and even Bob's Burgers, yeah. I think, which is yeah. much more standard. But You, you know, know. Uh, Paul, Paul F. Tompkins had a, had a great quote about this in an interview and said, this is not a show for grown-ups, it's a show for adults. <laughs> uh, which I think is true. It's, right. it's, you know, we're, yeah, it's not just adults in its, oh, it's sex jokes and drug jokes. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a, it's to me really about investigating the human condition and like mm-hmm. talking about you know the elusive nature of happiness and like <laughs> what does it mean to be a good person and like these really like deep dark questions like what why do we exist like all that stuff is talked about in the first season mm-hmm. um, in a way that I think people who initially watch the show don't expect and don't even see yeah. Um, you know, it kind of, kind of takes a while to get like, oh, I, this is what they're doing. They're not doing this other thing. But did it kind you, of tricks you, and then you're, yeah. suddenly you're watching episode eleven in a fun way, yeah. crying your eyes out. <laughs> you're like, why? <laughs> um, did you come into this knowing these are the sorts of stories you want to tell, and these are the sorts of questions you want to ask? Yes, I mean that was that was the pitch. Was this is a show that's going to get darker and more right. introspective? I think it was. It was a discovery while we were writing it, you know, just how dark and introspective right. we could go. And again, you know, my philosophy is always like, let's push this farther. Let's go deeper, you know. Mm-hmm. And that, like, I think it's the kind of conversations, like I said earlier, that if it was a live action show would feel really indulgent and mm-hmm. would feel really maudlin and like, sure. all right, yeah, you're sad. We get it. Yeah. But because it's this wacky cartoon horse, it's it feels different. It's unexpected. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you connect to it in a different way. Well, and I guess <laughs> the second part of that question is... You know, it, other people who wanted to ask these questions or explore mm-hmm. these themes would go make Mad Men. They would go make the right. prestige drama. <laughs> yeah. What is wrong with you two? That, <laughs> that you were like, nope, people with animal heads or animal with people bodies. 
I guess for the same reasons Raphael just said, where it's sort of a less expected way to mm-hmm. go about it. Like, oh, can I do this through comedy? Like, yeah. can I yeah. draw wacky animals and then suddenly have it hit really hard at the end and make you feel something and have it be personal? And that's kind of that's always cool. been my thing thing yeah which I know you know most your work pe- has always been really sad most people <laughs> I think for most people this is the first they've ever seen of anything I've done right um but <clears throat> mo- most of my writing comes from a place of like take a wacky premise and then just like beat away at it until you find the the heart underneath it mm-hmm. yeah and like and that's that's more interesting than me than, than just kind of going at it straight on and Absolutely. trying to talk you know take these ridiculous what's the most ridiculous premise I could think of and then take it really seriously yeah or um, i do that too i think yeah. in my own work yeah, i have a do. lot of really sad comics that don't look that way on the surface like i have a comic about a, a lady moose mm-hmm. who's like sculpting fingers <laughs> out of clay and it sounds ridiculous and hilarious but then when you read it it's like about the nature of like creativity and like yeah. how to please yourself and like what are you even doing this for when right. we're all just gonna die eventually anyways it's and it's comic. like <laughs> it's very short i think i could do better but it's, i mean it's great thanks thanks uh but it's very sad i think yeah it's one of the saddest mm-hmm. comics i've ever done or i'm yeah i'm i'm i guess i'm you know i think art for me is about making a connection right and that's that's how I go about it is trying to, you know, talk about my feelings. Yeah. <laughs> but but I feel like I can't I'm not confident enough in them I'm be like, here are my feelings and so right. I kinda of disguise them in uh well, that's, all these wacky uh That's a metaphor, sense. right? Yeah. Like that yeah. that's art. Uh and it's a way is... of saying right guys, right? Right. right? right? <laughs> I'm, I, I'm not alone, right? You guys feel this too. Right? Which is really weird when you when you get uh uh you know, I think this is the artist's dilemma, you know, when you make something that is like very personal mm-hmm. and really you know, that's that's what's great about Netflix they really let us make the show we wanted to make mm-hmm. so I couldn't be like oh the network made us compromise like to show that is 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 like very mm. much me yeah I think people who know me watch the show and be like I didn't know it would be so Raphael yeah <laughs> like it really is it's like the stuff the kind of stuff that I talk about and things that I think are funny um, and so it's really hard to like, put that out there like really nakedly and have people be like meh yeah. And it's like, that's me you're saying meh too. Yeah. That's, not like... that's a problem with making your work so personal. Yeah. Right. Well, but it is also, like any television, a highly collaborative medium. Of course. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's, I don't want to be like, it's me. It's like right. all of us. Like, yeah. you have an amazing writing staff. And, you know, Mike Hollingsworth, their supervising director, is just brilliant. Oh, he's he comes so up funny. With a lot of those background animal jokes. Yeah. Um, we have just amazing directors and animators, and our voice talent is so good. Like, I cannot speak highly enough about everyone who worked on the show yeah. it was right. that's the best thing about working on it honestly it really is because sure. um, I've, I've I have worked on some disasters um, <laughs> yeah. and it's it's really cool to, to, to work on a show where it's like, it feels like every step of the prog- process makes it better you know and like I remember realizing at one point that like oh I could start phoning it in and it would still be a good show yeah like, but I didn't but like I, remember, I said that to Netflix and like don't yeah. <laughs> I was like oh I know I won't but, right. just, like, but that like this idea of like oh yeah it's a good feeling. like everyone else is so good and like we have you know this this voice cast that's just in- incredible uh, you know top to bottom like you you just think like I think like what are my favorite shows the last you know twenty years and it's like uh, Mad Men Breaking Bad. Uh, Arrested mm-hmm. Development, Community, Strangers with Candy, Mr. Show with Bob and David, and like yeah. that's our main cast. Yeah, <laughs> like that's like those shows are in our main cast. Yep. And then we have these guest actors. We have Emmy winners and Oscar winners and Tony winners. Angelica fucking Houston. <laughs> it's that's amazing. insane. She's incredible. She's so good. 
And and um, that was the highlight for me from yeah. season one. Absolutely, <laughs> she's, inc- she's incredible. I haven't washed my hand. <laughs> <laughs> and um, you, you should you should wash your hand. Yeah. Like, so. I know. But Angelica's on it. Yeah, but you also, <laughs> also shuck a lot of other people's hands. I know. Since then, <laughs> they um, haven't washed their hands either. <laughs> but it's yeah. amazing, you know. Will, of course, is you know the, the the lead of all of it, and he just can he can take a, a setup to a joke and make it just as funny as the punchline. And he's incredibly he's incredible. talented. Yeah. And he also has this real dramatic range that I think goes unutilized by most things. Mm-hmm. And it's been really fun to like see him kind of take these more dramatic moments and really sell them and really. I think do an incredible job with that. Yeah, God, whenever Bojack says anything sad yeah. or like wistful, it's like, whoa, <laughs> I didn't know you had it in you, Will. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's incredible. And and like I said, I think the, the character designs are so incredible and, and, and the animation oh, is so incredible. I, I Whenever I see anybody, you know, snark on any part of the show, I'm like, you're wrong. Like, I know. It's a great show. <laughs> I, um, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, maybe the writing could be better, but like everything else about it is fantastic. <laughs> I, I really, I'm a, I'm a fan. I love it. I feel like everyone working on it is really excited about it too. Yeah, it doesn't feel like just a job. I, I, I like. yeah, feel that, and which you is can nice. tell. Yeah, um, it is. It really is a labor of love. Mm-hmm. Um, and and the first season was a, a crazy mad dash. Like we, yeah, we worked really fast. We pitched it to Netflix um, right around Thanksgiving. Yeah, maybe a little before, maybe closer to Halloween, mm-hmm. early November. Doesn't matter when. In November. Um, and you know they said, "Can this be ready to go by the summer?" We all kind of looked at each other and said, "Yes." <laughs> we signed a deal with the devil. Yeah. Well, we went back to Shadow Machine because wow. yeah, our animation studio was not in the room when we said that. So we yeah. went to Shadow Machine. We're like, "We can do this by summer, right?" And they're like, "Oh." Um. And so it's, I mean, a lot of people worked really hard to to get this done. Sure. Um, yeah. And I think we could not have done that if people didn't love the show. Yeah. And I think you know, I think for a lot of people, it felt like more than a job. Mm-hmm. It felt like, oh, yeah, well, this is something special. That's this great. Is, um, yeah, it wasn't as hard as I thought it was going to be just because it's so fun. Yeah. I mean, it's a lot of work for all of us, but mm-hmm. it's good work. Like, I, yeah. I definitely feel like... Yeah, it goes a long a way of, if you yeah. actually like the product. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and there's a lot of freedom, too. I feel like I can add in jokes and stuff and yeah. Yeah. That's don't great. get... Get yeah. squashed. Yeah. yeah. Like, it doesn't, it doesn't feel like, yeah, we're rolling a, a boulder up a hill just so it can fall down over us. It feels like, yeah, every, every step we do, we're making progress in the right direction. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, what, is, what is your background as a writer for television? Um, so I, <laughs> This is not a stumper. Yeah, well, not much. I mean, I was, so before television, I was in a, a comedy group called Old English. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was kind of the, the, the beginning of my career. We, were, we did stuff in New York um, for, for several years. Scripted? Yeah, yeah, it was uh, sketch, sketch, uh, most, mostly videos. We also did live stuff. Okay. Uh, we had a monthly show at the UCB. Um, really, our, our claim to fame is we just started early, is we were doing videos online like five years before YouTube was a thing. Hmm. And so like we got some attention just because like, no one else was doing it. Uh, and we put up these like quick time videos that took like you know an hour to load a two minute video. And it was like the only thing out there, so we got some fans. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas if we were to you know start now with the kind of stuff we were doing, it would get like buried and no one would care. Um, but then we got better, and um, so we were uh, yeah we kind we kind of became like a little bit of a thing. Uh, in, in yeah, you guys circles. were on Super Deluxe at the beginning yeah, of that. And like... I don't know if Super Deluxe means anything to anybody. Oh, really? That, but it was at the big time, to me. That yeah. was, but that, that was also, was I mean, one of the part, only part of what we got lucky about it. It was you guys and Brad Neely, and it was is, like... Is yeah. we, um, you know, there was this kind of, this time, you know, right after I graduated college, um, 
where all these huge companies were looking at little jerks like us and being like, how can we make some money mm-hmm. off of internet video? Mm-hmm. So yeah, Turner gave us way too much money <laughs> to make a whole bunch of That's comedy awesome. videos. Um, and so that, that was kind of the, 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 the beginning of, of my development, I guess. Um, and that was, you know, my first experience, like, writing in a room and, and like, sure. compromising with other people and, like, punching stuff up and, and really trying to get the, the funniest thing. And, and um, you know, that, that, that's, really, that's what mostly shaped me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, then I, I moved out to L.A. Uh, I, I developed a pilot for NBC uh, for Cal Penn called Diplomacy, uh, which didn't get shot, but that was mm-hmm. an amazing experience. Um, I got staffed on two shows that didn't last more than six episodes, uh, one of which was never aired, yeah. <laughs> um, which both were incredible learning experiences. Yeah, I mean, um, this was really like your first time in a professional room, I would imagine. Yeah, yeah, and that was, I mean, that was, it was great to like see how it worked, especially, yeah. I mean, we, like, as I said, we've been developing, we were developing uh, BoJack for three years before we went to Netflix. So that was kind of happening in the background while I was doing all this other stuff. Like, mm-hmm. Tornante found me when I'd written, like, basically nothing. Like, they had, they had you know, I had, I had a spec script that they really liked. Um, Steve Cohen, who's now an executive producer of the show, kind of found me off the slush pile and was like, who's this guy? Like, okay. I, want, I want to read more of his stuff. And what I was Andrew, that spec script? Um, it was called uh, Swing State. And it was about the, the governor of... I think it was the first thing he read. It was about the governor of Florida. And it's just this comedy, which now could never be made because of Veep. And because there's <laughs> just a lot of political shows. So it's, like, it's kind of... It's just a spec and that's it. Um, but it was the, 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 the... It's about the Republican governor. And it's kind of this kind of, you know, comedy about the, his staff. And, you know, this kind of... Everyone's, like, type A. And, you know, everyone's trying yeah, to be I never read that one. And then, <laughs> then the, the twist at the end of the, of the pilot episode is that he's a closeted homosexual. And um, so that ends up being a bigger part of the first season, although there will never be a first season. (laughs) But that was the idea, is that, you know, kind of, again, this idea of, like, it starts out kind of, like, fun, and, like, okay, I get this, but then actually there's this darker undercurrent of this guy with the secret. Hmm. Um, And then he read a bunch of my stuff, and uh, he he called me in. And so we started developing this idea together. And then meanwhile, I got this deal with NBC, and then I got staffed on this show, and then I got staffed on this other show. Um, And then just as that second show was kind of falling apart is when we were finally like ready to go out with this idea uh, and so we went to Netflix and they kind of just swung from one vine to another it worked out, <laughs> yeah. worked out really nicely yeah, yeah it, it all cool. feels really serendipitous it really, it really does <laughs> it was like the best possible timing um, um, and Lisa what was your experience in animation and in, and in design as well uh, I had zero experience in <laughs> animation. Um, I was barely an illustrator, I think, at the time. That <laughs> That's not true. <laughs> well, I was doing comics and stuff, and then I started doing illustration work. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I guess at the time you first asked me to, to get involved with BoJack, I was like working on a children's book with McSweeney's, that, um, and... Uh, I was really hesitant to get involved yeah, you with BoJack. Do it. <laughs> yeah, at first I was like, this idea is too dark. I don't know. <laughs> it's and I, weird. I'm just like a a commitment phobe about big projects anyways because I, I like to write and draw my own projects so I'm mm-hmm. like oh well if I'm not writing it I'm not sure if I want to do it but Raphael is one of the best writers I know so um, eventually oh, I got convinced to design the first uh, like 10 characters mm-hmm. and then they had to convince me again to get back on board for the presentation <laughs> yeah, you really I, dragged your feet on it I played really hard to get <laughs> I get teased about it a lot still. <laughs> it was really weird. Was like, a, like part of what sold the pitch was I came in with some of Lisa's drawings. Yeah. Uh, and they really wanted Lisa. And Lisa was like, meh. So I was like, okay. 
<laughs> so then they, they went to another illustrator. Yeah. And they, oh, really? There are two other illustrators. Well, they went to one. Oh. And, like, I met him, and, like, we talked about the characters, we talked about the world, and, like, you know, I'm kind of doing my own stuff. And so I hear back from Trinante, like, oh, yeah, that guy wasn't working out, so, you know, we, we were going with some other guy. He's like, oh, okay. So then I, I talked to that guy on the phone for a little bit, and he seemed like a nice guy, and I talked about the world and the characters. And then... Uh, Couple months later, I heard back from Ternante. Yeah, I think we're gonna go back to Lisa. Like, we, just, we just really like Lisa. Which you know, I think worked out really well for me because uh... they liked you playing a little hard together. Yeah, yeah. Now you guys appreciate me. Exactly. It's but also, I think because you've never done anything like this, like you didn't know what the commitment was or, or what yeah. was a fair deal. Well, that's like, yeah, yeah, that's what I'm kind of curious about. Like, this must have been an unbelievable learning experience for you. Oh my god! I mean, it was a little frightening because like when this show sold and I suddenly had to move back to LA all of a sudden and um, just grab all my stuff and go and uh, come to Shadow Machine. <laughs> like, Shadow Machine is an animation studio. They've been doing stuff for a long mm-hmm. time. They used to do Robot Chicken. Um, so they have a lot of animators there already. They know what they're doing. They know what they're doing. Right. They're experts. And suddenly I come in. I've never worked in animation before. And I'm like, hey, guys, so <laughs> you are all going to learn to draw like me. Here's how you draw a tree. Yeah. Here's how you draw a cloud. Um, wow. Yeah, a little bit intimidating, and I understand why some people were like, uh, fuck you. <laughs> but that's, that's what you have to do. I mean, if you're designing this show, yeah. and eventually, have a voice. As I worked more and more, I kind of built confidence in myself mm-hmm. and learned, like, okay, I do have a unique perspective. I've been drawing for a long time. I do have a way of, of drawing things that is different and, mm-hmm. and good and okay. So, And that was the, I mean, it was a similar experience for me as, as a showrunner, because I've yeah. never done that before and you know part of my when we hired writers like I made an effort to hire only writers who had more experience than I did that's great like I wanted to surround myself new showrunners would not do that well it it was it would uh, (laughs) would not have been helpful to find people with less experience because we then we really wouldn't know what we were doing um but there were I mean some some conversations early on where people were trying to be like what is this show like and I had to kind of like Back in the corner, be like, no, this is what we're doing. Like, mm-hmm. I want to do this. Yeah. Um, and I was, you know, really fortunate to have Noel and Steve, the other executive producers, who really did empower me from the beginning and say, no, listen to this guy. Like, he sold the show. He knows what he's doing. Um, and I think to to the credit of all the writers, is none of them. They never had an ego about it. It was mm-hmm. just trying to figure out like yeah. what I wanted to do. You know, but there were definitely conversations of like, oh, this this long monologue in episode four about you know, the duality of, of man based <laughs> yeah. on an old sitcom archetype of the identical twins who have different personalities. Oh, like, right, the Zoe and Zelda. Yeah, the whole, yeah, that whole thing. Like, maybe this is a little too precious and, like, this might be a darling you have to kill. And I remember being like, no, this is the most important part of the whole episode. Yeah. <laughs> like, this is... If we have to reconfigure the whole story to get to this point, we'll do that because, like, this is... Um, this is what I want to do. Hmm. And that actually... I actually had a... Um, <laughs> uh, when the show got first picked up, uh, Mitch Hurwitz took me out for coffee which, to kind of welcome me to the Netflix family, which was incredibly gracious of him. Um, and for me, it was, you know, I had stars in my eyes. Like, oh my God, this is <laughs> rest of development is taking me out for coffee. And one of the things he told me was, like, trust your gut. Like, you know what you're doing. That's great. You know, don't make a show you don't want to make. Like, yeah. you know, especially with Netflix, you have the power to, like, do what you want to do. And so, like, follow that and, and do that. You're really wow. good at that. I feel like I've learned a lot just watching you talk about your convictions and what you want for the show. Yeah, <laughs> I've I've slowly learned how to do that, but it's taken a lot of time. I'm not as confident. Well, I think part part of it is, uh, you know, what I was saying earlier that like that middle school rebel of that like smartly or stupidly like I want to do it my way. Like yeah. I don't want to do it the way it's been done before. I want to, mm-hmm. you know, like I'm, you know, I think part of that also is the uh, the sketch comedy tradition, the old English 
our group was always we hated doing old material. Hmm. Like we would do a live show, and you know some of the material was pretty rough, and we would throw it away and start over. We just like did not rehearse. We like hated doing like. We we kind of wanted to like okay that works we got that let's move mm-hmm. on yeah and that's been really for a lot of my work it's kind of my attitude of like you know I think some people are like all right let's find a system that works then like work that system mm-hmm. and for me it's like all right we figured out that works now let's figure out what else works mm-hmm. and like I'm really quick to like abandon stuff and be like yeah we did that like and that's part of the ethos of the show is like moving forward and mm-hmm. I, I don't want season two episodes to feel like they could have existed in season one like mm-hmm. the relationships that's are different great. now the characters are different now like they have new goals and wants and, and they react to things differently mm-hmm. and there have been moments where we've had like a line for Bojack working on season two and I thought like this feels like a season one line mm-hmm. like I don't think we can tell that kind of joke anymore oh interesting um, which I think makes some people nervous because how you know how long can you sustain a show like that but for me that's really interesting like i want to keep pushing forward yeah. mm-hmm. um how is that how does your room work how is that uh ethos communicated um i don't know we just kind of do it like mm-hmm. i i, I uh, how, how many writers did you uh, have for the first have, season uh, i think we had like seven writers uh okay so that's room yeah yeah um and I, it's again like I don't have enough experience to really talk about how my room works differently than other rooms. Right. But you can tell us how your room works. Uh, I don't know if I, <laughs> I mean it works that we talk about the ideas, mm-hmm. you know. And, and usually it starts with like, okay, what is this episode about? And a lot of times, you know, that'll come from like, well, we haven't done a Todd episode in a while, or like, here's a, here's a question I have, you know, like early on in season one, it felt like we need to explain why Diana's dating Mr. Peanut Butter. Um, so we introduced her, her ex-boyfriend to kind of like show the kind of guy she used to date and like why she would maybe be more yeah. interested in Mr. Peanut Butter. You know, <laughs> or like things like a lot of times it'll come from that. Or like, um, you know, like how does this part of the world work? You know, we have these animal people. Like what does is, what is this kind of thing do? Or, hmm. you know, why is this guy the way he is? Um, and especially more in season one, there were a lot of questions. Sure. And so, you know, that, that was like, where does this character come from? You can, you can kind of look at our season and say, all right, the first three episodes are really about kind of showing who Bojack is. And then four is, like, a Todd episode. And then five is a Diane episode. And then six is a Mr. Peanut Butter episode. And then seven is a Princess Carolyn episode. Like, we really did mm-hmm. think, like, okay, like, let's just hit our characters one at a time and kind of, like, show how they tick and what, what makes them work, right? And so, you know, the first question we ask is, like, what is this episode about? Like, what are we, what story are we trying to tell here? You know, like, what's the, what's the one, one sentence kind of thing that we're trying to get at? And a lot of times that'll be very you know, mm-hmm. head in the clouds, kind of like, well, this is about the nature of love and like, what, what it means to love somebody and how sometimes you have to make sacrifices. You know, like, that's kind of the, the, the idea. And usually, like, when you end up watching the episode, you don't even see that at all. Like, it's just kind of, like, right. kind of going in the background. Um, you know, and, and, uh, and then we'll talk... Usually I'll kind of talk through my idea for the episode. And um, we, you know, the... In both season one and season two, we pitched out the whole season already. Mm-hmm. And so we, you know, we do have this idea of, like, all right, episode six is going to be about this. And so sometimes that changes or shifts. Like, there are definitely times in season one, already there are times in season two where we're kind of throwing out an episode and starting over. Wow. But, like, we'll start, like, all right, this is what I want to do. Mm-hmm. And so I'll just, like, talk for, like, 15 minutes about here's, here are the story beats that I want to hit. You know, not, not always, like, telling a story. More mm-hmm. just kind of like, I want to do this kind of scene. And I want to do this kind of scene. And I want to do a scene where these two kind of characters talk about this. Um... And then, you know, you, you, usually I try, to, I try to let someone know early when it's going to be their episode. You know, I've heard of other rooms where they kind of break the story as a room, and then mm-hmm. the showrunner goes, right, you, why don't you go off and outline this? Uh, which I think is an interesting way to do it, because that means, like, everyone's kind of invested from the beginning, and no one quite knows, you know, who's going to write How it. How do you pick who writes what? Is it sort of... It's usually just an order. It's, yeah. It's yeah. just, 
yeah, we kind of go go through the rotation. Um, and so I'll say, you know, like, uh, yeah, Peter, this is going to be your episode. And I, I really try to empower that person. Like, all right, what do you want to write about? What's interesting to you about this? Like, mm-hmm. I'll try to you know, usually tell that person, like, a few days ahead of time before we start breaking it so they can kind of think on their own, mm-hmm. like, what they're in for the story is. And then I'll usually, maybe because I don't have as much experience as most of my writers, I usually let them kind of lead the, the walkthrough mm-hmm. of, like, what, you know, how are we going to put the story together? Um and we'll, you know, we'll kind of break it out on a board and we'll, we, you know, we'll do the thing. Uh, you know, I, I think the metaphor of like you have like a cup of water and you pour it into another cup and you pour it back into another cup. And, and, and so like we'll do it all on one board and we'll just kind of do it again on another board and we'll just mm-hmm. like add stuff to it and make it more specific and kind of, you know, keep going back and forth. Um, you know, and a lot of times I'm off like recording or I'm doing other stuff and so they'll, they'll do this without me, which is really great to come back and be like, wow, you guys broke a story. <laughs> and it's, it's really interesting to me because I, I, I've been on shows before. <laughs> Where it felt like, oh, when the showrunner's not in the room, like nothing gets done because right. he'll he'll he he or she will come back in and be like, no, I don't like it, and like that's crazy to me. Yeah, like, I come back, and it's like, what a gift! Like, yeah. I, yeah, yeah, this is all great. You know, like oh, this feels kind of weird to me, but like right. in general, like I I'm really happy with the, with the work they do when I'm not there. Do you feel like it's it's an easy target for the show? Like you've communicated well enough. This is what the show is. I think so. I, th- I think they. The I think are. they. At this point, all the writers kind of know what interests me and what I'm looking for. That's great. Um, or that can it, be the hardest thing. Yeah, for show and, and I, I'm I'm pretty good too at, at speaking up when I don't like something. Yeah. And I don't always have a reason, mm-hmm. but I'm just like, no, I don't want to do that. Let's yeah. do this other thing. And it's like, okay, you know, like I don't, I don't hem and haw too much. I. Uh, I am and haw a little bit because I'm hemming and hawing right now. Uh, whether I am and haw, um, but I, you know, I, I try to be direct and I, I try to make decisions and stick with those decisions um, because I feel like that's important leadership. Um, and then yes, yeah, so then we, we we have the story on the board. Then the writer goes off and outlines it, and they come back in and we all read the outline. And I kind of lead the conversation through that of like, yeah, change this, change that, mm-hmm. um, and and then. We uh, does that outline go to no. studio or Netflix? No. It goes well. So we have so this you know the studio is Tornante, right. and there so Steve is is uh, one of the executive producers and he's in the room with us. Um, okay. So he's uh, and and Noel's the other executive producer from Tornante, and they're very much aware of what's happening the whole time. Mm-hmm. So we don't get a lot of pushback from them. We don't have to like send stuff to them and, like wait for notes. You know, yeah. occasionally Noel or Steve will speak up and be like, "Oh, let's just clean this up before we go to Netflix." Mm-hmm. Um, but in general, I think because Netflix has been so good and they don't give us too many notes, yeah. we don't feel like we have. You know, like often it's like the studio is kind of like protecting us for the network of like, "Oh, let's get this in better shape before we send it to the the network." But here it feels like, "No, this is in good shape. Let's send it. They'll like it." Yeah. Um, so yes, we have barely any notes from Tronante. Uh and then we don't send the outline to the to Netflix. Mm-hmm. Um, Netflix, I'll get on the phone and I'll kind of pitch I'll talk through the episode we don't send them any paper and we I've almost never gotten notes on a on a pitch for them usually it's like sounds good make it or like that sounds weird but make it (laughs) sometimes they'll like have a little bit of trepidation but they'll be like yeah we should you know let's we'll save our notes till the draft um so then the writer uh writes a draft based on that outline you know only once did I have to send a writer back to outline where it felt like this is really not the right thing. Not because they did a bad job, just because when we were breaking the story, like seeing it on papers, like this isn't yeah. not working. Let's let's rethink this. It happens. Yeah. Um, but so then they'll write a draft, and then the same thing. The room will give notes on the draft, uh, and they'll write a second draft, and that goes right to me, and I'll kind of you know take my pass on it, mm-hmm. and then that usually goes right to Netflix from there. Um, so we don't we don't usually punch that first draft as a room. Mm-hmm. Uh, that'll go to Netflix, and Netflix will send back notes, and then I'll give the notes along with the drafts to all the writers. And then, then we'll all punch up, 
specifically hmm. trying to hit Netflix's notes, but also just in general, right. you know, any any room for new places or, or you know great, stuff. Yeah. And it's you know usually because the Netflix notes are not very severe, right? Mm-hmm. Like you know, there've been a couple times that they're like, this story really isn't working for us. Like, what can we you know do? And we have to, like rearrange Act Three or move stuff mm-hmm. around. We've never had to do a page one rewrite. Um, usually the notes are like, this joke on page 10 doesn't quite work for us. Like, okay, we'll take it out. Or, yeah. you know, or this, you know, this cold open could be a little funnier. That's usually their note. Is the cold, yeah. They want the cold opens to be funnier. It's like, all right, we can add some <laughs> jokes to the cold open. Um, and then, uh, so then, yeah, we'll, we'll kind of do it as, as, as a room, and then we'll send it back to Netflix, and that's usually the table draft. Hmm. Usually they don't have any other notes, so the table draft, then we have a table read, uh, and then we get another round of notes that are similarly small in scope, and we'll do another pass on our own, and that's the record draft. Um, and that's the whole process, and so it's it's really pretty streamlined and clean. Yeah. Um, and what kind of schedule are you working on? Like how how much writing do you get done before production starts? How much turn how fast a turnaround on the scripts? Um, it varies from from episode like to write, episode. Writing and production are going pretty much. Yeah, we're kind of doing everything on top of each other. Yeah. Uh, season one was insane. Um, yeah. Sure. You, you know, because I partially, I, I you know, I had these first two scripts already, so we just kind of got started on those while we were figuring out the rest of the season. Yeah. Um, so we didn't really have any kind of prep time in season one. We were, you know, and fortunately, I had this like detailed pitch for the season already yeah. so we'd kind of like start breaking episodes one after the other um, season two we had a little a little more prep time yeah we have a little more lead time but I'm still sort of like designing characters before they're even totally solidified yet yeah in the script um kind of all happens at once I always start with the funnest characters first <laughs> what yeah. what are the most fun characters yeah, for you right <laughs> Oh, like anytime Bojack has like a love interest or like a weird animal or like an ugly person. <laughs> yes, yes, the attractive people are more difficult. They're so difficult. The normal looking people are the hardest. Diane was maybe like the most difficult character yeah. to design. Well, because also we really, we didn't want to oversex Diane. No, because like, she's like a smart intellectual person. You know, I... I they are not sexy. They're, no. <laughs> well, no, but we didn't like, I was really... I don't like watching cartoons where it feels like, oh, this was animated with one hand, you know? Yeah. Like, I, 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 I wanted them to feel like people, but they have to be attractive enough that they're fun to watch, you know? Yeah. Which is the truth of TV in general. Like, you don't want a bunch of uggos up on your screen. <laughs> um, but, you know, yeah. you want... Sorry, is that a spinoff to yeah, Bojack? Yeah, the, the, the uggos. uggos. Uh, it's a family comedy. You know, oh you, want, you want, you want um, TV normal. Which right. is to say, like, very attractive for the real world, yeah. but not so distractingly attractive that you're like, why is anyone talking right. to that person? And not, not just, CW like, attractive. having mouth agape. <laughs> yeah, like, not CW, you know. Like, we, we wanted... Yeah, I think that's part of the reason we have more Mr. Peanut Butter porn than Diane porn. Yeah. It's because we really tried to make her look like a normal person. I like, I mean, like I... va va bombshell. I like drawing sexy characters, but I always want them to be a little bit off, too. Yeah. Like, I'll draw, like, a lemur lady with her butt cheeks hanging out of her romper, but right. there's something, like, off-putting about it. And Sarah Lynn <laughs> is... Is the like, lemur part? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, for furries, no. That's the best part. Um, but, uh, yeah, Sarah Lynn also, like, she's, she's a pretty sexy character. Yeah. Like, you know, has a nice body but uh she's also kind of off-putting yeah. in some ways and yeah i just i have a couple more questions before we wrap up but sure. what um were there wrong roads that you guys went down during the development process either in the writing or the design um i don't know if there was wrong <laughs> roads but you know part of the development process was we didn't know we were developing it for netflix mm-hmm. yeah. so for a lot of time there were different possibilities and so we tried to keep things open you know mm-hmm. and the show we're making for netflix really is a show that's designed for netflix and i think is my favorite version of what the show could have been um 
but I did have pitches planned out for like, here's the network version, here's the cable version, here's the, you know, um, and I, I think those would not have been as interesting shows. Hmm. You know, like, like I said, you know, part, how would they have different? Well, so you know, part of the, um, as I said, part part of the appeal of the show for Netflix is that it does it is pretty serialized and it does grow and change. And I think you could not have done that necessarily on a network, or I don't know if they would have wanted that. Mm-hmm. You know, this idea of like. Uh, every episode's a little bit different, and like it, you know, you can you don't have to introduce the characters. I think, I think they probably would have wanted a show that felt like the first couple episodes for a whole season, mm-hmm. and just kind of these sta- more standalone kind of stories, sure. um, which I think you know would have been a different kind of show. Um, and I think I think we probably would have been pushed in more of a Simpsons Family Guy direction, yeah, um, and you know less about let's explore the darkness of the human condition. Like mm-hmm. I think I think especially broadcast networks seem allergic to real sadness mm-hmm. uh, in, yeah. in heavy doses yeah. um, in their comedies. Yes, <laughs> um, and so I think that would have been a compromise that I was willing to make, but in retrospect, maybe I shouldn't have been. Like, I, I mm-hmm. think that would have been not as good a show. Sure. Um, yeah, I don't think it would have been that and, good. And so I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> glad, you know, like a lot of people who, who watch the first few episodes ago are like, oh, I, I get where this is going. Like, if we were on a network, they would have been right. Like, that mm-hmm. is where the show would have been going, probably. Interesting. Um, I can't even imagine <clears throat> what the kind of notes I would have gotten on designs would have been, too. We gotten, yeah. Like, ooh, this is too gross, or... This is weird. Yeah. It's weird. We would have gotten the, it's, this is too weird note a lot. Yeah. Or this female character isn't sexy enough, yeah. make her skinny, or, I don't know. Ugh. Were there, were there wrong design roads that you went down? Like, are there versions of BoJack that should not have been on the air. Bojack I nailed right away. Todd made a say. million different versions. Todd, yeah. yeah it's fun. and But it's funny because those the changes didn't come from Netflix or Tornante. Yeah. They came from you and me, right? Yeah. Like you, we had a different version of Todd in the presentation. He had the same outfit and everything. It's just like his face looked more mature. realistic, yeah. more mature, and it was kind of uncanny, and it, he wasn't cute enough. And especially with Aaron Paula, his voice is so grounded and Low? Gravelly, yeah. yeah that it, it felt like a real guy. It's like, no, we wanted to feel like a cute cartoon. Yeah, so we <laughs> needed to kind of change his look a little bit, and we had to get approval to do that. But I think yeah, we totally made the right decision. I mean, part, He's part, adorable now. Part, part, <laughs> part of our argument was, imagine this face on a tattoo... Yeah. Imagine this face on a tattoo. <laughs> that was a good way to And convince the new version him. feels more like, yeah, I can see someone getting a tattoo of that. Like, yeah. it's fun and, and uh, bright. But even, even before... The presentation, I remember, we had, like, so many different... Like, you had kind of, like, a more fairy version of Todd. Oh, God, I had and, so like, many had, like, versions. A, One you, had, time... you had a version of him in a wetsuit, like... Uh... Yeah, he was, like, a surfer Todd. <laughs> he had, like, long blonde hair uh... and a goatee and a wetsuit. Yeah. And then I had a version that I that you vetoed right away where he looked like Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like, this is gross. Yeah, That's he was hilarious. so gross. But I was just, like, throwing everything yeah, I could at Like it. a version that looked like me. Yeah. Or your brother. Yeah, or Ben Popik. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh... Yeah, I think the the human characters in particular were the mm-hmm. most difficult to design because I'm used to drawing animals. Yeah, like Princess Carolyn and Bojack were so easy for me. Immediately, I like made her pink, and it was like, yeah, she should be a pink cat. <laughs> yeah, of course. Why not? And yeah. she has like a weird Obviously. hairdo. Although we had a um, we had a long talk about uh, Princess. Carolyn, she had a purse. Yeah, that was shaped like a fish. Oh, that's right. It's shaped like an actual fish. Like an actual fish, and you, she actually still has the designs on her dress. She has this fish pattern. Yeah. But we had to lose the fish purse because that's not what fish look like in our world. Yeah, they have oh legs. They have legs, and they walk around. <laughs> You'd and, be surprised how often that comes up on the show, and we miss it. We're like, oh, damn it! Yeah, the carousel know, or the that right, weather vane. Sure. Yeah, yeah like you, you have to remember, like, no, there are no animal animals in this world. Mm-hmm. Every animal is an animal person. There are and, no Plutos. There's just Goofies. And none of them 
didn't have tails either. We don't have tails. Yeah. I gave one, our lead character designer Adam Parton a hard time the other day uh, because he put a tail on a. It's like, what are you doing? This is season like, two. Oh Come my on. god! He was like, "Oh god, I'm so sorry. Don't fire me." <laughs> Come on, Adam. You should know by now. No, he's amazing, but it's funny. Yeah. He forgot. Our, our, yeah, our general rule for for characters is they have animal heads and human bodies. Uh, unless there's something really distinctive about that animal, we try to include it. Like yeah, like turtles have, have claws, shells. Turtles have shells. Yeah. Birds right. can fly. Tarantulas have many legs. And yeah. Arms. <laughs> yeah. Um, interesting. Uh, and and we've talked about this a little bit, but um, let's talk about this: the casting and what the actors bring to it, and what you guys are discovering about sure. the characters as the actors spend more time as them. Uh, that's a good question. I don't yeah. know. I mean, we have we have this amazing casting director Linda Lamontagne who um, also does Family Guy and she just has her ear to the ground and knows like what actors are interested in animation or what actors like could be convinced mm-hmm. you know one thing we really used to our advantage in the first season is like a lot of times pregnant actors want yeah. to do voiceover because they can't do other stuff when they're pregnant and so it's like really easy to get like <laughs> some big names who are pregnant yeah <laughs> um, that's really funny or, like, such as so Olivia true. Wilde well, for example <laughs> yeah um I like to think she would have done the show anyways. Yeah. Um, She's wonderful But on it, it definitely helped that she was pregnant. Yeah. Um, and uh, so we, I would say the most thing is we don't kind of concern ourselves with, like, can the actors do this? We just assume we're going to get someone amazing who can pull anything off. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I remember with uh, Angelica Houston, um, there was some concern over whether or not she was going to be able to make it to the table read. Because uh, a lot of times, some of our bigger guests don't come to table reads. They'll just come to record. Uh, but I said, like, no, this is a two-page monologue. Mm. If this dies at the table read, we're going to have to change it. Yeah. So we really need someone who can sell this. And there was, like, some – she thought, oh, I don't – like, she she had other stuff going on. Sure. And, and, you know, we said to her, like, if you can't make it, we'll get someone else, and we'll find something else for you to do later in the season. We don't have to be at the table read. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then things worked out, and she was able to be there. And at the table read, it was amazing. And – we're like, yeah, we're keeping that monologue. <laughs> and it's one of my favorite parts of this show. It makes my yeah. blood run cold every time. <laughs> she's amazing at Yeah, it. she's incredible. Uh, and, and so that's, that's been the real kind of freedom is of, like, knowing, like, yeah, let's write what we want to write and assume we're going to have the actors that can pull this off. We don't mm-hmm. have to write around our actors the way sometimes you do. You mm-hmm. know, like, I, I think there are three kinds of actors. There are actors who are as good as the material you give them. There are actors who are not as good as the material you give them. They have to write around. And there are actors who just elevate everything. Mm-hmm. And I think across the board, we have the third kind. Just incredible actors who are in control of their voices and, and just give us some incredible surprises and make everything great. It's been easier to get better and better, or more and more people right. as sure. you say, like, well, look who else is in the exactly. show. Exactly, yeah, mean, absolutely. Yeah, casting director sends a long list to every person. And Jill Houston did Exactly, it. What, yeah. are you right? going to say no? Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, like someone, someone in the first season said, like, well, I guess if you got Naomi Watts to make a fool of herself, I can make a fool of myself, too. <laughs> <laughs> like, all right. Hilarious. Glad to have you. <laughs> um, when is when does season? I know you guys are just starting we're, on yeah, season two, but when is it. it? When does it do? I assume next summer. Yeah, I don't know, we're not. We don't have a date yet. Okay. But. but that's that's the plan. Yeah. Great. Uh, well, we can't wait for it. Listen, everyone so can still watch season one. Yeah, it's here, out there. Here's what I say to people who like are like, "Wow, oh, when's season two coming?" I say, "Watch season one again," because <laughs> I'll bet there's stuff you missed. Yeah, I'll, yeah, for I, sure. We, you know, we, there's a lot of background stuff. And there's also it a actually lot of... does reward repeat. Yeah, absolutely I, does. In anticipation for today, I rewatched yeah. a couple. And and there's there's a lot really of like fun. character beats that you maybe mm-hmm. don't pick up on the first time. There's a lot of foreshadowing. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of interesting stuff going on. I, I would. I would highly recommend, if you like the show, to watch it a second time, because yeah. you, you will get more out of it. Cool. Uh, and we end, as we always do, by asking what you guys are watching on television. What are you talking about with your collaborators, each yeah, other? I knew this question was coming, and I, I, I was like, <laughs> I don't know. It's 
it's hard for me, and I don't know if other writers feel this way, but like sometimes watching TV like feels like work now. Yeah. Like it feels like I'm like I can't turn my brain off, and I'm like de- I'm like oh they did the thing here in the first act, and this relates to the second act, and that's a callback. Like oh I see what they're doing. Like, it's it's hard for me to turn it off yeah. and like not see the strings. Um, so what, what I'm really enjoying right now is stuff that's like really formally different than what I'm doing. You know, yeah. like like short form, like Key and Peele is really great. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love the season of Nathan for you. Oh God, it's um, so good. That's my favorite. And it's so funny, and it's just like unlike anything else. Uh, Drunk History always makes me laugh. Yeah, that one's good too. Um, I think Broad City was an incredible show, which again kind of fits in the category mm-hmm. of like these are people who are just kind of following their own voice and following their own vision, for sure, and not trying to like make a TV show the way you're supposed to. Yeah, Broad um, City is shockingly good. Yeah. It is so good. No, uh, I've been watching you. a lot of old Simpsons lately, but it feels slightly <laughs> like work now because I'm noticing. Yeah. Well, it's just. I mean, in some ways, it's nice because I'm noticing little background jokes uh-huh. that I never noticed before. I'm like, oh man, they made all the effort to put these things in. Simpsons is so good. It is perfect. I feel like I've been talking a lot about like, oh, everyone thinks our show's gonna be like The Simpsons. Like, The Simpsons is a brilliant television yeah. show. Don't get me wrong. I think it might be the best show of all yeah, time. Yeah, <laughs> I would not be doing what I was do- I'm doing at all for not for The Simpsons. Yeah, um, I recognize that, and of course, it's brilliant. It's amazing, and I think I mean especially. I would say they're sad episodes, like oh, Lisa yeah. Substitute, Marge Be Not Proud. This is not what I'm watching right now, but like right. those are absolutely huge influences for me. Yeah. And you know, the, the the best compliment I got on this show was my friend told me that um, no, it was my friend, it was my cousin. Why would I lie about that? You can listen to this friend. and be like, "Why did you call me your friend?" <laughs> um, like my cousin told me. Uh, that the season felt like a prolonged sad episode of The Simpsons. Oh, which is that's like, such a good compliment. Such a great compliment. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I, like I said earlier, I think like uh, Archer's doing some really interesting stuff right now. I think Rick and Morty's doing some really interesting stuff. Yeah, like, I, love I, Rick and Morty. I do not feel like we're better than animation no. at all. Like mm-hmm. I'm, I feel very lucky that like this is a really exciting time for television animation, and I'm, yeah. I'm very honored to be a part of that. Yeah, Steven Universe too. I watch that yeah. show a lot. It's for kids, but oh my god, is it gorgeous and funny and mm-hmm. smart. Good. Yep. These are good answers. Okay, Thank good. you, guys. Thank Thanks. you so much. It's such a pleasure. Indeed. Now leaving Nerdist.com.